0: Revenge of the Lab Leak Hypothesis. This is the Plur chronicles radio show for February 14th, 2021. Jason Cousin and I, Eric Runderking Fisk, discussed the latest developments from Wuhan, China during the first week of the World Health Organization's investigation into the origins of the COVID-19 virus. Peter dashik from EcoHealth Alliance has been the strongest opponent against the lab leak hypothesis has suddenly made the statement that this theory cannot be discounted quite yet. Why the change of heart? Jay and I revisit the events that led to the Obama administration's monitorium of -of gain-of-function research on pathogens. Was the lab accident with a highly infectious strain of anthrax in June 2014 at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention a harbinger for things to come? And what about the reports the United States State Department intercepted about lab workers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology becoming severely sick mere weeks before the first reported cases of the deadly outbreak in that specific city in China in the autumn of 2019. Stay tuned. The Federal Chronicles Radio Show is brought to you by our patrons patreon.com slash Fedora Chronicles. For a mere dollar a month, you get early access to the show, show notes, behind-the-scenes action, and more. Coming soon, patrons will also be eligible for exclusive products and promotional materials. You can also support the Fedora Chronicles radio show and show off your amazing taste and style with new products from Zazzle. Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. 12.5% 12.5% of each purchase goes directly into keeping this podcast on the air. The Federal Chronicles radio show can be heard on all of your favorite podcast platforms, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, Player FM, Castro, and Breaker. If our podcast isn't on your favorite platform, let us know right away and we will pass along a special gift to you as a thank you our email address is fedora chronicle at gmail.com or you can reach us on twitter at fedora chronicle once again here's jason cousin and me eric bisk from the fedora chronicles thanks for listening and enjoy the show
1: not even to, get to This is still the appetizer? <laughs> Damn, dude. What the hell? You didn't tell me.
0: Not sure I have enough appetite. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's do it. Um, I want us just to start off just between the two of us. I wanted to talk about the controversy surrounding lab leak hypothesis for COVID-19. And we've done a couple of episodes on this topic. And the name of this episode that we are recording right now, if I can just get back to the show page, Revenge of the Lab Leak Hypothesis. And one of the things that we had talked about is how I have spent a lot of time doing the research into the lab leak hypothesis. Mm -hmm. And Brett Weinstein has... Done a lot of work on this, and I have listened to a lot of things that he has said. And he had a host, and everybody, get your shot glasses out because you might have to take a, a shot. He had a guest on his show, Yuri Darren or Deegan. I'm not sure how you pr- really pronounce his name. I'll, I'll probably insert it later um, when I edit this. They did about an hour and a half to an hour in 45 minutes talking about the lab leak hypothesis because Dr Yuri I believe he's a doctor wrote a paper on medium about how it is most likely that covid-19 is began as a SARS virus or the SARS virus or belongs to that family originated in caves about 3,000 miles away from Wuhan. And the speculation is that the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which was co-founded by Peter Daszak, to study deadly pathogens and to see if there's a way that we could prevent the spread and find a way to immunize people before these things break out and peter dashick and what's the what's the what's dr F- dr fauci i guess his name is yeah fauci dr fauci i i the name's familiar I've, I've only seen him on the news maybe once or twice maybe no you haven't
1: no you haven't <laughs> no you haven't you lie like a rug
0: i'm trying to be facetious <laughs> all right The international viral community moved all of their testing facilities to Wuhan, China, because about 12 years ago, Barack Obama signed a monitorium on gain-of-function experiments on deadly pathogens and viruses, such as coronavirus, because of the obvious dangers. We put a monitorium... The president that so many people on the left adore put a monitorium on gain of function tests here in the United States because the risks associated with doing such is so damn dangerous because the entire aspect, and this is a layman's description of what gain of function is. You take just any virus like a just a, like a, the common cold virus or a flu virus or a coronavirus and you modify it using rna from other viruses introduce it to the virus that you are investigating or doing experiments on or studying to see how bad bad can get how bad can we make a virus and then see if we can find a way to create immunization for that horrible virus. It's and it's a and it's a fool's errand according to so many other doctors who have spoken out against gain of function. Whereas it's like it is impossible to predict how are these viruses going to evolve under certain circumstances. And the coincidence of the first outbreak occurring just across the street from the Wuhan Institute of Virology is astronomical. Now, granted, the the Hunan wet market across the street from the Wuhan Institute of Virology would be a great place for viruses to adapt because of the filthy conditions. You have Wild animals and domestic animals commingling; their blood and their feces and their urine are all commingling. People are are attending these wet markets um, with little to no protection whatsoever. If there was a place to get a virus that that occurs naturally, like a zoo, zoological virus, that might be one of the places to catch it. The fact that it's right across the street from where they've been doing gain of function tests on coronaviruses is astronomical you have a better chance of picking a winning lottery ticket the first time you've ever played the lottery than it would be for this to have happened, according to certain people. And then as the year progressed, more and more research has been done and it, they've eliminated, what I mean what I mean they, a lot of the people who, are, who have been investigating the origins of COVID-19 have said it's more and it's looking more and more unlikely that this is what happened. One of the things that we have talked about is the affirmation. Oh, hold on, hold on. Yep, yep. Just, go ahead.
1: Just to clarify, when you say this happened, define this. Nice. You say it's looking more and more unlikely that it's more this
0: it's more and more unlikely that the virus began at the at the Hunan wet market across the street from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Right. Does, that, does that make
1: sense? No, it made it made sense before, but I just wanted to make sure everyone listening is understanding clearly what we're saying here.
0: So a lot of things have changed in the past year. And many other news organizations has republished this article by Andrew Kerr, published January 18th, 2021. He, he is a, quote, investigative reporter. Um, the version that I have posted on the show page is from The Daily Caller. U.S. scientist who led charge against COVID lab leak theory admits he was trying to protect Chinese scientists. Again, this is written by Andrew Kerr, January 18th, 2021. Peter Daszak orchestrated a statement on the onset of COVID-19 pandemic that condemned, quote, conspiracy theorists that the virus doesn't have a natural origin. Dashik admitted on Friday through a spokesman that he issued the statement to protect Chinese scientists from online criticisms. Dashik has worked directly with these scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and allegedly played a key role in directing taxpayer funded grants to the research center. The State Department announced on Friday that it has obtained evidence showing that research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology became sick with flu-like symptoms in the fall of 2019 prior to the first known cases of COVID-19. There's also a link here to The Lancet where Peter Daszak and a handful of other predominant scientists in the realm of virology condemns conspiracy theorists like eric and jay on the fedora chronicles who have talked about the lab leak hypothesis so what we have basically found out is that the same man who has been trying to de-platform people for talking about the lab leak hypothesis and has done everything that he can to silence people like Brett Weinstein, his brother Eric Weinstein, Yuri Darren, or Dijin. I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Take an- everybody take another shot. <laughs> his behavior is almost criminal. Anybody who has said that this is most likely an accidental lab leak and Brett Weinstein also, he talked about this, this on his, his episode of the Dark Horse podcast. You, we have to absolutely, totally distance ourselves from those people who are saying that COVID-19 is a biological warfare gone crazy or that this is a virus that was created out of whole cloth. There are a lot of crazy conspiracy theories saying that COVID-19 was purposefully released in an effort for the Chinese government to dominate the global economy. Nothing could be further from the truth. The Chinese people and the Chinese economy has taken a huge hit from this. There are large corporations that are taking away their manufacturing facilities away from China and they're opening up manufacturing jobs here in the United States because of the Chinese government's behavior in the past. I think we, since if if it's November of 2019, I I think we're like looking at maybe 14, 15 months at least.
1: Well, I think the first time I think October was the first time that um, really kind of Get the news yeah. at least a little bit but yeah continue anyway october
0: november right so one of the things that really sort of bothers me is that we've had we have friends in the community who have gone back and they have pointed to this article in the lancet that was published in march 7th 2020 saying that this this is oh, there's overwhelming evidence that this is a naturally occurring incident there's no way that this could be genetically modified and then it turns out the entire time peter dashick has been working with fact check organizations to censor unwelcome inquiries according to this article
1: because he's been working with those same scientists that he was defending exactly and getting them
0: funding and getting him fun, getting them funding.
1: So it's not like he had a personal interest in making sure that this would, that no, not at there all. was nothing to see here.
0: Not at all. There's nothing to see here. Follow the money. I'll always follow the money. So, so I, where does this
1: where does this leave where does this leave people like us? Well, who had the temerity to actually mention this previously.
0: How do how do you come out and say I'm sorry I was wrong? We should not have improperly labeled you guys as conspiracy theorists because the last time I checked, Peter Daschek had posted a couple of days ago. Now he's saying that as as he is leading the team investigating the origins. Now he's saying. That we cannot rule out the lab leak hypothesis. Now he's coming out and he is leading the charge and saying, "Hey, you know what? Um, yeah, may- maybe maybe this was a lab leak. Maybe
1: maybe there was something nefarious going on here. You know." And this is where, as you said previously, they're never going to say, <laughs> "You know, I'm I'm sorry, I called you a crazy conspiracy theorist because you know." <laughs> Funny thing, you were actually right. They're never going to say that. No. It's a thankless job, man. <laughs> it's a thankless job. All we're trying to do is be honest with people. They call us all these weird names, and then when we've proven right, they never say, oh, you were right.
0: Bastards. Yeah.
1: It's a good thing we had all those years of hazing in high school to prepare us for this <laughs> shit. <laughs>
0: So so what what do you do with this? (laughs) Uh, You start drinking bourbon. Um,
1: (laughs) But now. in, In all seriousness, though, it is it's disturbing. It's disturbing that it's come out that the guy everyone was relying on as being the expert saying that, oh, there's no way this could have come from the lab is now admitting, yeah, it it probably came from a lab. It's disturbing, because what sort of trust can we have in not only this person, but in that entire community? They've lied to us once. You know, Um, lie, lie to me once, shame on you, lie to me twice, shame on me, right? Right. So where does this, where does this bring us to? Where does this leave us? At what at what stage, at what point do we start looking at the people who are being put before us as experts and start questioning their credentials? Because that could be a very could be a very dangerous road to go down, right? Yeah. I mean, Dr. Fauci, he was the guy who was advising Reagan on AIDS. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people forget that. So this is a man who has been in Washington in his same position since the Reagan administration. Yeah. So anyone who says that Dr. Fauci is not
0: political is deluding themselves.
1: He is absolutely
0: political. It is absolutely, totally political. This is the news. It would have to be. This is the news item that made me drop everything and reach out to you and ask WTF. This is from Sky News. This is the first article that I saw this. COVID-19 World Health Organization team in Wuhan sees data no one has seen before and does not rule out coronavirus escape from a lab. The World Health Organization team in Wuhan investigated the origins of COVID-19 say they are getting data, quote, which no one has seen before, unquote, and are Quote, really getting somewhere, end quote, and have not ruled out the possibility that the virus has escaped from the lab. The same guy who was responsible for condemning and trying to deplatform people for saying that we should look further into the lab leak hypothesis is now one of the loudest voices this week talking about the possibility of a lab leak hypothesis. I just talked around in a circle. Are you dizzy yet? <laughs> Welcome to politics. It, so what does this mean? Well, it on the one hand, it means that you cannot trust the mainstream media. And you also can't trust podcasters to give you all the information either. You really need to do your own due diligence, dear listener. You have to look at all sides of the mar- argument. And let me be honest with you. I know that this is sensational. I know that this is an exciting and, and, I, and I put the word fun in quotation marks. This is a fun thing to sort of talk about around the campfire in the middle of summer when you've had a couple of drinks and talk about all the weird, crazy things that scientists are doing behind closed doors. How many million people are dead because of this virus? How many people in the world have died because of this virus? How many people have gotten sick from this virus and they have... um, Permanent damage done because of this virus. The economy has basically ground to a halt because of this virus. People have lost businesses because of this. This virus and the lockdown because of this virus has done more damage to the global economy than I think any war could have, with the exception of maybe a a, a nuclear war. Um, Saving the best for last, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The really very disturbing thing about this is that people who cited Peter Daszak's statement on the Lancet as a means of trying to silence me and shut me up and prove me to be wrong and a fool have not offered an, an apology. Yeah, but they never will. And you know it. I know. I know it. But this has also done irrevocable damage to a lot of relationships. Yeah. This I there are some people that I will never look at the same ever again. And, and by the way, we could have very easily have been wrong, Jay. Oh yeah. Which we admitted from the beginning, if I remember correctly. I and here's the thing. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that I hoped that we were wrong. But as somebody had said to me. Back in, I believe it was March of 2019, when I was still driving for Lyft, and I had a passenger who just so happened to be a doctoral candidate in one of the most prestigious schools in the region. Her greatest nightmare was a lab leak from one of the the pathogens that they were working on. And she told me that they were working on some of the the, just the craziest batshit things you could possibly imagine, like trying to weaponize rabies of all things. That's the one thing that stood out to me the most. And the fact that you have these institutes who are trying to get more bang for their buck and they kept cutting corners and cutting corners in containment. Her biggest concern and fear was that there would be a lab leak from one of the facilities in the Boston area or Worcester or maybe New York City. I mean, I am she she didn't say New York City, but I'm just saying there are there are there are medical institutions in the New York metropolitan area that are also that were studying these things and that while gain of now
1: imagine now imagine for a moment that this virus assuming it's developed in a lab imagine what would have happened had this virus been released from the lab in new york yeah you know i mean there's a part of you that looks at these things and you're like the hell are we playing with do we even do we even understand no what it is that our scientists are doing in our name and in in the spirit of protecting us
0: we have Do no we
1: know what the hell's going on. We
0: have no idea what's really going on. And this is just a real serious dangerous game that they are playing. How 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 bad can we make a virus? How horrible can we make a virus? How contagious can we make this virus? And then turn around and it accidentally is released out into the public. Because you look at you look at this story. You look at this Jay and then all of a sudden you have to stop and ask yourself just imagine all the other things that they are working on. What else is in the lab that they were looking at? What other viruses were they playing with? It's not an unfair
1: question. No, it isn't, especially since the, since the lab genesis hypothesis is now being basically admitted to being right. What else are they doing at that lab? how are the protocols being followed in other labs or how well are the, are those protocols being followed is probably a better way of phrasing that question. You know, if these people are playing with literal death in a, in a, in a beaker, how confident are we in their ability to maintain those safety protocols and rigorously follow them? Because if we have no confidence in their ability to rigorously follow those protocols, those protocols are essentially irrelevant, right? Yeah. If no one is doing what they should be doing to ensure that these deadly viruses don't get out, then those deadly viruses are going to get out. It's a question of when, and it's a matter of luck that it hasn't happened yet. Not because of of skilled um, workers. They're human. They're going to make mistakes. Yeah. You know, it's not. I don't think it would. I think it's it's not wrong, nor is it inappropriate to question whether a human could possibly have made a mistake. I think honestly. It's probably good policy to assume a human made a mistake. I know when I write the processes and procedures for my work, which doesn't involve anything involving anything that could kill people, I try and make my policies and procedures keeping in mind that someone somewhere is going to make a mistake and screw it up. Right. So the way we handle that, where I work, is we try and minimize the damages that will be caused through human error. But all we can do is minimize them. We can never eliminate them and you have to realize that. You've got to be you've got to be honest with the consequences of what is possibly going on. You know? So when you're dealing with a lab full of humans, I don't care if they're Chinese, Russian, United States, South African, wherever, it doesn't matter. They're human. And humans are fallible. Humans make mistakes.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Humans suffer
1: from lapses in judgment. So for anyone to say it's impossible that this protocol wasn't fol- followed, I suspect their motivations immediately because you're saying, okay, so it's impossible a human made a mistake. We can't, yeah, we that can't, don't seem right to me.
0: We, it's the lying though. yeah. it's the lying that is just simply unforgivable. And it's the vilification of the of people who right. were talking about this. I mean, I am looking at this one, and this is from the DailyMail.com. I'm not I I'm not from England. I do not know about the Daily Mail's reputation. China lab leak is the most credible source of the coronavirus outbreak, says top government officials, amid bombshell claims Wuhan scientist had turned whistleblower. And this was published, like, when was it? It was, it was last updated on January 3rd. This is another um, story this time. This is an article about a, somebody who used to work at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, allegedly. Matthew Portinger, who was pre- uh, Donald Trump's respected deputy national security advisor, told politicians around the world that even China, China's leaders now openly admit their previous claims that the virus originated in the Wuhan market are false. Now there are people who are saying that this is this was a bogus made up story. And, the, and listening to how other people explain the lab leak hypothesis is that you would be an idiot and a fool not to look at all the coincidences and not realize there's something wrong here. I mean, you have to look at the fact that they originally stated that it came from the wet market that's literally across the street from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Some of the earliest people who contracted COVID-19 were lab workers who passed away. And simul-
1: I don't know, but it, it sounds like if this was a detective show, they'd be looking at the lab seriously. That's
0: if this was an episode of NCIS. Where would Mark Harmon first look to see <laughs> the origins? <laughs> I'm, I'm serious,
1: right? I mean, it, it's funny to cast it in those terms, but it's a very
0: valid point. I want to I, I want to do a mental exercise, and I want to set Jay loose here for a second. Oh, okay. While I fill up my coffee mug from Zazzle for the Fedora Chronicles radio show, where you can get your own at Zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. Jay, I want you to pretend that you are a writer for NCIS. And let's just start with just before the opening credits, somebody in Wuhan comes down and gets sick and dies from a from um viral pneumonia how would mark harman and the rest of the ncis team investigate this well i think all right so
1: first of all they're going to find out what what he died of exactly right they're going to go to their medical examiner they're going to test the virus find out what virus it is find out what's going on then assuming this is happening in the United States, they would consult with the CDC. They would find out, okay, what is this virus? What does it mean? What are the dangers? And then they would follow the evidence. Where did this person work that they could have contracted this virus? If this is a new virus that we've never seen before, well, how could they possibly have caught that? So they would then follow it back to the institute that the person works at. Then they would investigate where the protocols followed. Well, of course, there would be some political drama going on between whose authority they have and going into the lab and all that other kind of shit. And I'm sure Mark Harmon would have some smug looks for the camera. But, you know, that's just Mark Harmon thing. So they would investigate the lab, though. They would find out what are the protocols and were they followed. And is it possible? And they would probably find that there was like a little almost microscopic tear in the CBR equipment that the scientist had, and that's how he got infected with the virus. But it starts with finding out how he died and then chasing it back to how could this person possibly have contracted this virus. And is it possible that he caught it at the wet market? Yeah, it's possible. Is it likely? I don't know. But they would follow both trains. They would follow, okay, if it was at the wet market, then... Is anyone else infected at the wet market if it wasn't at the wet market and it was the lab were all the protocols product protocols followed at the lab and they would chase it down because that's what they do in those shows. But at, at, yet.
0: At, but at least <laughs> at, no, no, I literally I've been listening to you the entire time. Mm-hmm. The important, the the whole point that I was trying to make is that I can just picture if this if this was. An episode of NCIS and you would have McGee um, and everybody else walking around the wet market looking at all every little nook and cranny and it's like you see a camera view of McGee turning his head and he looks and it's like he sees Wuhan Institute of Virology and then he would say hey boss look at this and then Gibbs would look up and say huh well, maybe we should check that out. Right. You'd think that that would happen with like by the end of the first or second act before the first or second commercial break, wouldn't you? You would think so. You would think so. Now, we're just two crazy geeks with a podcast. Yeah. And we've been f- and I've been trying to debunk this for myself. At what point do they look at somebody like Peter Dashik? Who is the loudest critic of conspiracy theorists talking about the lab leak hypothesis or the lab leak theory and not look at him and say, you were the loudest voice saying these people were crazy.
1: Yeah. Me think thou doth protest too much.
0: Is there something you want to tell us? Is there something you want to say now? This is the, this is the part of the episode that our listeners have been waiting for. This is the part where you look at Peter Daszak and you look at the work that he's done for EcoHealth and what they've been trying to do. He's been trying to control the narrative about the lab leak hypothesis or the lab leak theory. And the more than more that we look into this, the more it seems more likely that this is a genetically modified virus because it has properties that we've we have not seen before and we know for a fact looking from the press releases from the Wuhan Institute of Virology because they were bragging about what they were able to do earlier with other viruses now we're looking at Peter Daszak now he's saying well you know what we can't discount the lab leak hypothesis or the lab leak theory. You could almost make the case, Jay, that he is probably part or the center of probably one of the world's biggest cover ups. Because now we have somebody who once pooh-poohed this. Now he's probably. OK, who's the bad guy? Peter Daszak, who is probably one of the biggest perpetrators of this now he's a part of the investigation now he's returning to the scene of the crime now he's trying to lead the ncis team as it were using my metaphor hey don't look in that refrigerator over here don't look at that pile of papers over here look at this right here look at this and now they're they're probably going to throw somebody under the bus
1: oh absolutely because that's how those things work
0: Now, maybe this is a little crazy on on my part. Maybe this is a bit conspiratorial or um, maybe I I, I am going a little crazy. Maybe I'm being sensational for sensational sake. But at what point is the international community going to look at Peter Daszak? And say, kind of like Columbo, now I'm now I'm mixing metaphors.
1: (laughs) no, just confusing shows
0: now. Now, one more thing. Just one more thing. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just one more thing. Right. Um, You were responsible for funding gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology after Obama had put a monitorium on gain-of-function tests in the United States. You had intimate knowledge about the experiments that were going on. He went out on a limb to protect the scientists that I guess were her, he, he were his close friends that he treated like family because they were getting death threats allegedly. I'm just wondering do do you do you not see the conflict of interest here, where where Peter Daschik has a vested interest in in many different facets to be there and to lead the investigation. Right. That's problematic. To guide,
1: it in a, to guide it in a direction that best suits the people he cares about, which is pretty much the textbook definition of a conflict of interest. If he was a lawyer, he would have to recuse himself from the case.
0: He really should recuse himself. Yeah. Because what this would be a perfect place to lead off or to, to end this episode of the show asking what's what's going to happen when they finally release the results of their investigation
1: right i mean is is Kasik going to be found guilty or is he going to be found somehow at least marginally accountable for this virus being out there yeah and does he actually bear any of that responsibility at all
0: are they going to hold him responsible for what he did
1: my guess is no, they probably won't.
0: Cuz this this is also may, maybe maybe we we're, maybe we're we're dancing too close to slander and libel. Well, we're it, what I, no, what I what I what we're I am su- about? We're
1: supposing
0: we're what making I, suppositions. What I am about to say. Oh, okay. And I got to be very careful how I say this. Is there? A- Can you be charged for a crime for doing these tests, doing these experiments, and having this virus leaked? Maybe it's re- irresponsible for us to ask this question. Could you look at a Peter Daszak and hold him accountable and li- uh, liable for the damage that's done to the rest of the world? Because there were many scientists who had said, this is wrong and this is dangerous. There, There's a reason why Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, demanded a monitorium on gain-of-function tests here in the United States. Because we had been warned that no good can come of this. You couldn't do it in the United States, so you had to go overseas to do these tests. Now what? Because you knew the dangers. You couldn't do it here. So you went there. You created a monster in a lab. It accidentally got out. And literally millions of people all across the world are dead because of this. Did any of these people actually commit a crime? That's that's
1: a hell of a question, actually, if you think about it, because... If they committed a crime, what crime did they commit and where would they be found guilty? So just because they committed a crime in the United States, if that crime was committed in China, the laws in the United States don't apply. It's therefore irrelevant, right? If they committed a crime in China or an international crime, whatever the hell that means, where do they get prosecuted? Who holds them accountable? What is the governing body that gets involved? That then brings its power to bear on them for this thing that they have done.
0: Because you know what I mean? yeah, because I'm actually wondering if whether or not an actual crime has been committed.
1: Well, that's the real question.
0: Because
1: let's be honest,
0: is what they
1: did all that different than what you and I have done by because we don't like what's going on with Facebook? We've now moved over to you know Parlay or, you know, the other any of the other things that are out there. You don't like what's happening in, in place A, so you go to place B, where things are more amenable to what you're doing. Now granted, we're talking about our speech. They're talking about their jobs. Their jobs happen to be playing with deadly viruses. So is is that a crime? Cause you know, creating an offshore tax shelter is technically not a crime yet. So What did they do that was so wrong? Was it, what did they do that would have been the illegality? You know, I mean, there's a part of me that says, obviously they know something is wrong. If President Obama put a moratorium on it, then they move it to China. But they're still diverting funds to China from, I assume the federal government or from universities anyway. We know at least two universities in the United States were working with that lab to develop this, gain-of-function for these viruses.
0: From the Scientist, this is published on October 21st, 2014, Monitorium on Gain-of-Function Research. In the wake of a handful of biosafety lapses at federal research facilities, the United States government is temporarily halting funding for new studies aiming to give novel functions to influenza, stars, MERS, viruses. Again, this is published back in January 21st, 2014. The White House Office of Science and Technology Policy and the Department of Health and Human Services last week, October 17th, 2014, announced that it was launching a new detailed review into so-called gain-of-function research in which pathogens are manipulated to alter their capabilities. Such research made headlines in 2012 after two groups installed the avian influenza virus, NHN1, with the ability to transmit between ferrets through the air, a feat that prompted a year-long monitorium on NHN1 research. Now, in the face of threats like influenza, SARS, and MERS, which have killed scores in the Middle East and Asia, the government is instituting a pause on gain-of-function funding for experiments involving these deadly viruses. Further down the article, in addition, the government is encouraging leaders of ongoing gain-of-function projects involving these viruses to voluntarily stop their research until the risks and benefits are more fully addressed by the newly revamped National Science Advisory Board for Biosecurity and the National Research Council of National Academics. The NSABB will meet tomorrow, October 22, 2014, to discuss oversights of these types of research and how it fits the federal rules and regulations. Meanwhile, the NRC will organize two scientific symposia, first to further understand gate and function research, then later on in the deliberative process to discuss the NSABB's draft recommendations. The broader life sciences community will also be invited to give feedback during the review process according to the the OSTP. That's That's a lot of initials here. Just skip to the bottom here. The article concludes... Even those who actively advocate for gain-of-function research seems to agree with this move. Boston University microbiologist Paul Dupre, I believe that's how you pronounce his name, a leader for the Scientists for Science, a group which favors such research, told Science Insider that there is a precedent for a pause that he is looking forward to the presentation of hard evidence and the discussion of the data. Unquote. Harvard University's Mark Lipswich agrees. I think the deliberative process is exactly what we, and also Scientists for Science, have called for. Both Lipswich and Dupre will speak before the NSABB this week. Again, this was published back in October 2014. Read the link that I just sent you.
1: Moratorium to research intended... Moratorium on research intended to create novel... There it is. Novel Potential Pandemic Pathogens. Research on highly pathogenic organisms is crucial for medicine and public health, and we strongly support it. This work creates a foundation of new knowledge that provides critical insights around the world's most deadly infectious diseases, and it can lay groundwork for the future development of new diagnostics, medicines, and vaccines. Almost all such research can be performed in ways that pose negligible or no risk of pandemic or global spread of a novel pathogen. However, research that aims to create new potential pandemic pathogens, PPP, novel microbes, and when we say novel, we mean new, microbes that combine likely human virulence with likely efficient transmission in humans is an exception to that rule. While this research represents a tiny portion of the experimental work done in infectious disease research, it poses extraordinary potential risks to the public. Experiments that create the possibility of initiating a pandemic should be subject to rigorous quantitative risk assessment and a search for safer alternatives before they are approved or performed. Yet a rigorous and transparent risk assessment process for this work has not yet been established. This is why we support the recently announced moratorium on funding new gain-of-function experiments that enhance mammalian transmissibility or virulence in severe acute respiratory syndrome, SARS, Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, MERS, and influenza viruses. This realm of work roughly corresponds with the work we have termed PPP above. Because the term game of function in other contexts can be used to describe techniques of re- scientific research, That have nothing to do with the creation of novel potential pandemic pathogens, we think the term can be too broad and can mislead. Throughout this commentary, we focus on research designed to create PPP strains of influenza virus, the type of research that initially attracted attention, leading to the moratorium and for which the most discussion has already occurred. Other types of -of gain-of-function research on influenza and studies intended to enhance pathogenicity or transmissibility of MERS and SARS coronaviruses may or may not fit the definition of PPP research and further clarification is needed and ongoing. As we discussed near the end of this article, it will be essential to clarify the different risks and benefits entailed by different types of experiments covered by the funding pause. And this is from the NCBI, which I have no idea what
0: NCBI is. Uh, we found this at, on the uh, United States National Library of Medicine, National Institutes of Health. So basically, because, there there are. So you, hold on the, yeah. the the website though. The NCBI is the
1: National Center for Biotechnology Information. So the NCBI exists so that we can have access to things like
0: this. Yeah. So they're are all as far back and even further before we're we're looking at 2014 is when this was written
1: published online december 12th
0: 2014 people were arguing about the wisdom of doing these gain-of-function tests
1: and apparently for good reason
0: yeah people were already concerned there are people who are arguing for and against gain-of-function tests but there had already been the warning signs that this this is not this is not cool. There were people who were arguing about what's what's the worst that could happen. What is the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen if we stop doing gain of function tests? And what would happen if we continue to do these gain of function tests? Because if you keep trying to figure out how bad bad really is for a virus. And you keep patting yourself on the back saying, hey, look at this new deadly virus we created. And you just keep making things worse and worse in the lab. At some point, something is going to accidentally get released. And when that happens, who's going to take the brunt of all of this? Who's going to suffer the consequences the most? There are already arguments against doing these experiments. And Barack Obama had said, yeah, we should stop doing this here in the United States for, for good reason, for obvious reasons. So they packed up their bags. All of these other institutes in the United States said, okay, we'll take our ball and we'll go to another playground. We'll go to China. China will be the world leader in bio research. Then what? Instead of heeding the warnings from other scientists they went to a part of the world where they're not as strict on containment. And why would they do that? Well, I, well I, I I, think that's a rhetorical question, Jay. I think you already know the answer to that.
1: Well, and that's just but it still needs to be asked. You know, I mean, it's one of those things that if you don't. Even though it seems like an obvious question, if you don't ask the question, you don't get people to think about it. What possible reason would they have in going to a country that is notorious for not following safety protocols? This is a country whose manufacturing we've outsourced to and struggled with because they refuse to follow our safety procedures. They have been using lead paint in children's toys, for example, right? So what would be the point in going to such a place purely for doing research like this? It's to—it's an end around. It's an obvious right. end around.
0: Because I'm sure that there were some people who thought, no, oh, this monitorium here in the United States is probably the best thing that ever happened to us. Because now that, now we're going to a place where there's no restrictions. right? They, they were doing this in a city, in, a, in one of the largest cities in all of China, in a densely populated area, because it was convenient. Yep. Because people wanted a place that was nice and pleasant to commute to work in. You could leave your apartment in downtown Wuhan and maybe just walk to work, a densely populated area across the street from a popular market. If you had any brains at all, you do this out in the middle of the desert somewhere where even if it gets out, what's it going to infect? Yeah,
1: certainly not going to affect a major population area. But no, they went to a very, very densely populated city across the street from a freaking wet market. Right. Which is a breeding ground for viruses anyway, unless they did that on purpose, too. And the main reason why they went to that particular area is so they could say, well, if we fuck up, we can always blame it on the wet market. Yeah. But they wouldn't be that nefarious, would they?
0: Sure they would, Jay. Sure they would. Now, the thing is, is that now are we talking murder one, murder two? Or are we talking manslaughter? You're
1: assuming they're going to it's even going to go to trial in the United States.
0: But is it wrong to ask this question?
1: I don't think so. I don't think so. I think it's more relevant to um, what what the hell's his name? Peter. Dashek. The guy who's
0: Peter Dash. Yeah,
1: Peter Dashi. It's more relevant to him if he were to be found at fault for not for obstructing the investigation to find out what the hell's going on. What would he be charged with? It's not obstruction of justice, but what could he possibly be charged
0: with? I don't know.
1: There's the question, isn't it?
0: It's a it's a tough question. Because now we have to prove that there was criminal negligence on somebody's behalf. Yeah. And you look at people like Yuri Deegan, who published this article April 22nd, 2020. Lab May, Lab Made, SARS COVID two genealogy through the lens of gain of function research. And I it took me about three hours to read this article that's supposed to be 64 minutes because I I stopped and I said, wait a minute, what does this word mean? And what does this word mean? And I hand it off to somebody who works in the realm of biology and that's all I was, I will say. He came back and he said, this is terrifying. Jeez. The more educated you are in this realm, the more you're going to wake up and really, this is terrifying. Because this is just one virus that they were working on. Not to perseverate on this. Well, no, but it's that lab didn't exist only for one virus. Again, going back to this other article here. I'm going to go back to another article again from the Daily Caller. U.S. has evidence researchers in Wuhan lab fell ill before coronavirus outbreak, State Department says. The U.S. government has evidence that researchers in the lab in Wuhan, China, became sick in the fall of 2019 with flu-like symptoms, raising concerns that they were infected with a novel coronavirus as a result of a lab accident, the State Department said Friday. The U.S government does not know exactly where when or how the covid-19 virus known as sars-cov-2 was transmitted initially to humans we have not determined whether the outbreak began through contact with infected animals or was the result of an accident in a laboratory in wuhan china i mean it's kind of horrifying it's horrifying you have you you have these rumors and these stories printed on the the internet that lab workers got sick. <laughs> they all came down with the flu almost at the same exact time or the same month. That's that's not suspicious at all, Jay. Right.
1: Certainly doesn't, you know, wouldn't cause any reasonable person to say maybe we should look into this because that would
0: be ridiculous. If you just do a quick search on DuckDuckGo. And it's amazing the differences you get. It's amazing how different the res- results are when you do a, a search. Just do a search. Wuhan lab workers got sick.
1: So let's see. There's DuckDuckGo. I'm going to go to Google now.
0: Now, granted, it's, it was Mike Pompeo who had said at the beginning of the year. I'm looking at this article from Newsweek. U.S. says researchers fell ill in the fall of 2019. Calls for transparency. United States Secretary of State Mike Pompeo has urged the World Health Organization to pressure China into greater transparency surrounding the pandemic, alleging that the Wuhan Institute of Virology saw illnesses similar to COVID-19 among staff in the fall of 2019. This is from
1: IB Times. Is that the one you were reading?
0: Uh, I was reading the one below that. Um, uh, U.S. says Wuhan researchers fell ill in fall of 2019. But the thing okay. is, is that I, the IB Times, what does IB stand for? International, International Business, Business Times. Yeah. yeah.
1: Several researchers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology became sick in autumn 2019, even before the first case of COVID-19 was reported. The U.S. Department of State claimed as World Health Organization team arrived in the Chinese city to probe the origins of the coronavirus. This was published last month, January 18th. The government fact sheet, fact sheet suggested the symptoms of the researchers were similar to both COVID-19 and common seasonal illnesses, contradicting WIV senior researcher Shi Zhengli's claim that there was zero infection among the staff and students. State Department, however, acknowledged that the government does not know exactly when, where, or how the COVID-19 virus was transmitted to humans in Wuhan before a year ago. The virus could have emerged naturally from human contact with infected animals, spreading in a pattern consistent with a natural epidemic, the state noted. A laboratory accident could resemble a natural outbreak if the initial exposure included only a few individuals and was compounded by an asymptomatic infection.
0: Here's another article that I'm sending to you. See, it it, it just gets it just gets worse and worse, Jay. Well, it turns into a rabbit hole at some point, right? <laughs> and this becomes
1: well, it is
0: because it's no, also when...
1: become a political. Um, it's become a, a political volleyball, right? Yeah. Also from International Business Times, the shocking diplomatic cables reveals safety compromise in Wuhan lab, U.S.
0: intelligence probing coronavirus source. And this is from April of last year. And, and in case you don't trust that news source, here's another one. For people who can't see us on the podcast, I'm actually sending Jay all of these articles that I had bookmarked just for this occasion. <laughs> So this is an opinion article on the Washington Post from April of
1: last year, same daytime, well, the day after the one, or day before the one I just read. A State Department cables warned of safety issues in Wuhan lab studying bat coronaviruses. Two years before the novel coronavirus pandemic upended the world, USMBC officials visited Chinese research laboratories in and- research facility in the city of Wuhan several times and sent two official warnings back to Washington about inadequate safety at the lab, which was conducting risky studies on coronaviruses from bats. The cables have fueled discussions inside the U.S. government about whether this or another Wuhan lab was the source of the virus, even though conclusive proof has yet to emerge. And they would be irresponsible to not be discussing it, by the way. So, in January of 2018, the U.S. Embassy in Beijing took the unusual step of repeatedly sending U.S. science diplomats to the Wuhan Institute of Virology, which had, in 2015, become China's first laboratory to achieve the highest level of international bio-research safety, known as BSL-4. WIV issued a news release in English about the last of these visits, which occurred on March 27, 2018. The U.S. delegation was led by Jameson Faust, the general consul of Wuhan, and Rick Swiser, the embassy's Counselor of environment, science, technology, and health. Last week, WIV erased that statement from its website, though it remains archived on the Internet. Uh Uh-oh. That's not suspicious at all. That's not suspicious at all. That doesn't raise any eyebrows.
0: Way back in 2018 the Wuhan Institute of Virology was in a panic because they were short on supplies and technicians who knew what they were doing. Yep. And then there's a flu-like or SARS-like outbreak in fall of 2019. And I, 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 I just got a message. Maybe we've gone a little too long on this. <laughs> <I saw it. laughs> but the entire notion is that for almost an entire year, we've been criticized for being proponents of the lab leak hypothesis. Then we go down this rabbit hole in looking at the the going backwards in time, looking at the news surrounding the Wuhan Institute of Virology, Jay. And that and we're the, finding a lot of problems looking at all the links that we haven't even talked about that we have on the show page. You'd be an idiot to discount the lab leak hypothesis or the lab leak theory in view of everything else. Everybody who says, no, no, it's impossible. There's no way it could have been linked from uh, from a lab. You look at all of this. Beijing was in a panic because they didn't have enough qualified technicians working at the wuhan institute of virology and they didn't have enough supplies they didn't have an they didn't have enough equipment and supplies and then there's this lab leak and now there's a global pandemic in light of the fact that there were plenty of scientists who were arguing against gain-of-function research what do we say to these people who said that we were wrong
1: Well, the adult in me says you should do your research. However, the child in me
0: goes, (laughs) And this is why MSNBC will never, ever offer the Fedora Chronicles a show. All
1: right, maybe I
0: should draw. (laughs) No, no, I don't think that you should, because this is is what makes doing the show so much fun. Thank you, Jack. Congratulations on surviving another episode of the Fedora Chronicles radio show. Find out more about the Fedora Chronicles by visiting our website, thefedorachronicles.com. That's where you can find our show notes, past episodes, and articles. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram by simply searching for us on those platforms. Don't forget to join our group on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so that you can keep up with what we will be talking about in the next episode. Facebook, Twitter, and our email address, FedoraChronicle at Google.com, are great ways to drop us a line with your comments and show topic suggestions. And if it's any good, we promise we will read your comment on the air. Support the show by contributing to our Patreon page, Patreon.com/FedoraChronicles. For mere dollar a month, you get early access to the podcast, updates on what we're doing. And for $5 a month, you get all that and a t-shirt and coffee mug of your choice. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you to all of our listeners who are already contributing. You can also support the show and show off your incredible, impeccable taste by buying our merch at Zazzle.com store slash Chronicles. The theme songs for the show are Royal Flush and Black Cabaret by Olive Musique. All other music on the show is listed on the show page and has been provided to us by Premium Beats from Shutterstock. Copyright The Fedora Chronicles 2020. All rights reserved. On behalf of my co-host Jason and I, this is Eric Renner-King Fisk signing off and reminding you to keep your chins up and your fedoras on.